You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Tori and Katie. Today's episode features an interview with Marcella Rada, an immersive audio professor and sound engineer. Marcella Rada has several years of experience as a sound engineer, recording, editing, mixing, and mastering audio for independent artists. She has worked across music genres as well as symphony orchestras, film scoring sessions, and ensembles. She holds a Bachelor of Music with a major in Digital Audio Arts from the University of Lethbridge and a Master's degree from Berklee College of Music with an emphasis on music production, technology, and innovation. Her master's thesis focused on immersive audio and its application to 360 videos for virtual reality and social media platforms. Her experience as a college professor and lecturer has motivated her to become a mentor for those who seek one-on-one instruction in recording and mixing techniques. Welcome, Marcella. Thank you so much. How are you? Oh, we're so good. We're good. We're good. We're excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. I want to start at the beginning because I know you have a very academic background. So let's go right into it. How did you get into sound? Ooh, well, how did I get into sound? I fell in love with sound from a very early age. Uh, My mother had this field recorder that she used to record classes when she was, you know, working full time and going to school to become a lawyer. Uh, So when I was little, she would, you know, have this field recorder listening back to her classes when she had time. And anyways, I found it and that was my toy. I was going around playing with the field recorder, recording every single sound I could. That's such an interesting toy. (laughs) I mean, most kids, I would say, you know, would want like a Barbie. Right. No, Marcella was playing with a field recorder (laughs) and she was going around recording everything recording everyone singing into it, even though I'm a terrible singer still, but uh, (laughs) I thought I was sounding great at the time. Um, You can make everyone else sound great. (laughs) Yes. So sound, I found sound fascinating since I was very little. Going into high school or maybe a bit before, that's when I started thinking about, okay, how am I going to learn about this and what kind of careers can I have? And I know <laughs> I was about 12 and I was already thinking, what kind of career? <laughs> but I've, wow. I've always been, mm-hmm. I've always loved, loved, loved school. I was that kid that just wanted to go to school, be at school, you know. So I was already thinking, okay, after high school, where am I going? Uh, and so I found Berkeley College of Music. And I remember, you know, (laughs) this is really funny too. And I don't think I've ever shared this in a podcast before, but right here for the first time. 12 year old Marcella, I was listening to progressive metal and I was really into dream theater. (laughs) And and I found out that they went to Berkeley and I was like, that's where I need to be, you know? So Anyways, fast forward a few years, I found out, you know, I think my job in the music industry would be as a sound engineer, recording music, right? I I was in bands and, 
you know, I played a few instruments, but uh, I realized that I am not a performer. I wanted to be behind the scenes and I wanted to record it. And I'm very, very tech oriented, right? Mm. Um, I always loved technology and new things. So I ended up, you know, deciding that that's where I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to be, uh, be a sound engineer and record music. Eventually, I actually ended up going to the University of Lethbridge here in Canada because that's where I am based. And I, yeah, like, as you mentioned, I did a Bachelor of Music with a major in Digital Audio Arts. And uh, from there, I still decided to pursue um, higher education and get my master's at Berkeley. So eventually that dream came true. But it has always been, you know, from, from a very early age, I had it very clear in my mind. That's what I wanted to study, where I wanted to go. And it has all just been a plan, <laughs> which also speaks to my personality because I am a big planner. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, yeah, I think that answers your question. That's how I got started with sound. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's like what did you do for your master's? Like, you did a lot of research, right? Yeah, so um, I'll be honest, going into my master's, I had a ton of ideas uh, for research. I didn't really know what exactly I was going to do or who was going to be my thesis supervisor. But once I got there, I moved to Spain. I moved to Valencia. Uh, and, uh, and once I got there and I started, you know, talking to my professors and the people that, of course, knew a lot more, I decided to go into immersive audio because, you know, surround sound at the time was... You know, people talked about it. Yes, we know about 5.1, 7.1 and so forth. But really, when I started doing research, I realized that, well, it wasn't as relevant anymore. And accessibility would always be an issue with like not having a 5.1 setup for you to experience that kind of format. And so I found immersive audio and and also I had already developed a few binaural projects and so I had already an idea of how it works and how it can be experienced and the cool thing about immersive audio is that you know it can be experienced with anyone that by anyone that has a a pair of headphones and so that already to me spoke to you know accessibility great now I wanted to be innovative of course if I'm going to do I, <laughs> I'm going to develop a thesis project it has to be new right although well I mean this technology is not new per se but the projects that I could develop could be innovative and so that's how I set on on immersive audio for my thesis and I have no regrets. I feel I'm so, so into this. And I love, love, love that is now becoming even more of a thing, you know? Now it's not just uh, sound engineers talking about it, but now streaming platforms are talking about it. Musicians are talking about it. Um, so it's going into a very positive direction, which is what I predicted when I presented my thesis, right? I said, you know, this is the <laughs> so next telling thing. telling the future. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about something, you're like, believe me, this is that. And people are like, nah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't really a huge discovery. Of course, I'm not saying that I discovered Immersive <laughs> But I'm just like, what? Can you imagine? I mean, she kind of discovered it. <laughs> no, no. Give her the credit. <laughs> far, far, far from that. But but of course, when you do defend your thesis, you do have to speak about why it's relevant. 
Right. So tell me, how are you using immersive audio and what you're doing today? So I am an audio engineer, but I am also an educator. And now I'm most of my time is focused on educating. Um, I do a lot of freelance work too, but uh, I do have a huge passion for teaching and sharing knowledge. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm teaching master classes. I'm finding out tools that I can present people with to get started. I teach my students and um, you know, it's it's actually really fun to, for me especially, to provide the tools and then see what people do with them. You know, I, I just absolutely love to maybe inspire and uh, and I love to just kind of present the tools, inspire people and then just watch them create. Because uh, at the end of the day, I did mention that I'm a, a very technical person and uh, mm-hmm. and I take on that role. So when it comes to creativity, I do consider myself to be a, a creative person. However, I, I spend more time researching and, and educating and hopefully watch the creations and enjoy them. Probably in the near future, I will have to take on the other role and actually um, keep on mixing and and creating uh, content. Uh, but as of now, a lot of people want to learn and I want to make myself available to actually teach. That's great. And that's such an exciting feeling too, when I, it's kind of like you're duplicating yourself almost, but you're seeing, you know, now everything that you've learned being passed on. And like you said, you're just, you know, you're amazed at, you know, what your students are going to create because you have no idea. And it's just, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's so, like, really exciting. Yeah. Seeing, like, what are they making? Exactly. So seeing people, uh, you know, use the same tools, but create completely different things is very, very exciting. And, uh, and then watch them go on to, or find their career path or, and I'm not just talking about immersive audio, but you know, being a, an educator mm-hmm. in general, just give you that, um, I don't want to say satisfaction, but it's kind of like, you know, the, that feeling of accomplishment when you, when, when you can inspire and when you see your students finding that career path that they were so confused about at the beginning. Uh, I love seeing that's right for them. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, yeah, I take pride in that and I, I feel when, you know, when they're, when they come to me and say, okay, this is what I want to do for sure, you know, and they show me their song or they show me their mix or then I'm, you know, I just, I love that feeling. So that's, that's how I know that I'm doing what I need to be doing. Totally. Mm. Well, we need more people like you. So I'm <laughs> glad, I'm glad you're out there teaching everyone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm curious, like what kind of, because you're giving them the tools and I, I know you mentioned um, before in another interview that you just there's so much room for innovation with these tools Mm -hmm. so like what are you seeing your students do and like what did you do for your your project um when you knew you had to kind of innovate with these tools right so what i did for my thesis was a series of videos of musical performances uh usually orchestral recordings that were filmed with 360 cameras and recorded with ambisonic microphones and spot microphones as well. And so my goal was to take 
the audience or you know the viewer or the person that was experiencing my project I, my goal was to take them into this performance where they would be right in the middle of it and they would just experience it as if they were there so imagine you go and see a string quartet or even a full symphony orchestra you're always you know in the audience watching from afar Imagine if you were standing right in the middle of it for the whole performance, right in front of the conductor. Sounds like say. a dream. And I'm and I'm speaking people that are obviously not part of a symphony and playing with them, right? But as someone who just enjoys watching, imagine that I could take you to right to the middle of it, and you could move around, move your head around, and that's you know it's. The idea is that it sounds realistic, right? That if I am, let's say, from the conductor's perspective and the violins are going to be on my left and the viola is right in front of me and the cello is on the right, right? That's how you should hear it through, you know, with immersive audio and a VR set because the 360 video would allow you to actually place yourself in the middle of the performance and uh, using a VR a VR set and then the audio is supposed to make it even more realistic so when you move your head around you do hear that where the violence where they're supposed to be according to what you're watching so those are the kind of projects that I developed and and experimented with of course I experimented with different uh, microphone placement techniques different plugins different types of mixes so yeah that was really cool and I it ranged from just as I mentioned a string quartet to a full orchestra so that was really really cool I'm literally in awe I uh, we were talking a little bit before uh, you know we jumped on together of I've mixed live orchestras but for me when I mix a live orchestra I take the studio recording as my guide as this is how it should sound and then adapt it in the live setting so i am completely in awe of what you've done and you know what you're doing just with that to create that environment where you feel like you know you are the conductor that you have the orchestra exactly you know popping up you know exactly where they should be in the mix and right and yeah, that was challenging because amazing. of course uh, there are all these guidelines of where, of how this music is mixed and how it's right. panned. And now you're kind of breaking the rules, but that's, that's what it means to be an innovator, you know, break <laughs> right. the rules, create new things. So tell me how you break the rules. Cause you're, yes, you're the creative side, but you're also the technical side. So give us a little bit more on the technical side, a little bit, tell us a little bit more of, you know, the magic that was used to. Create okay uh on the technical side i would say you used a lot more microphones than you normally would <laughs> yeah. um and you know you usually have maybe your decatry and of course depending on where you're recording well you'll have more microphones or less but um but for me and through this research i i started using a lot of spot microphones so i could really just isolate sources the reason why I wanted to isolate um, audio signals is because if I wanted to place them in a very specific spot, I wanted to avoid bleed from another microphone that might otherwise be somewhere else. And so to be able to, um, to really place an instrument in a specific location in that 360 sound field, uh, you need a very direct sound. 
and of course recording with cardio microphones super cardioid or hypercardioid even uh polar patterns is important and it might not be something that you normally do uh, or uh, d you know recording a during a, a common uh orchestra recording um so so yeah maybe just the, the amount of microphones the type of microphones that i used and also you know of course using a, an ambisonic microphone because at the end of the day that's also not a common it's not common practice to, to place an ambisonic microphone in the middle of of the performance for some of this performances i ended up just using the ambisonic microphone like i had spot mics and i had an ambisonic microphone right in the middle and i found out that the ambisonic microphone sometimes was enough to give me enough information about the room how big it was where the instruments were placed the the ambisonic microphone sounded pretty amazing on its own but of course in like small ensembles and you know um but that was really cool to find out that you know that was enough and that i could record a, a little ensemble with just one ambisonic microphone um wow. That's really so that cool. was really cool but yeah if you do have a lot of sources then you do need i found anyways um that you do need quite a few spot mics and and you, you gotta play with all of that when it comes to orchestral music though i would say that it is harder it's a very subtle result right because we're talking about organic instruments that are all playing around same frequencies or fundamental frequencies um in that frequency spectrum so um it, it is hard to completely isolate or to to create a, a very harsh, you know, uh, change in, in the mix while like we're talking about electronic elements, uh, well, those are easier to move around and isolate. Uh, so when it comes to, yeah, very organic, organic instruments, orchestral music, it is a subtle, it's a subtle mix. It's a subtle change uh, when it comes to like, like the difference between a 360 mix and a stereo mix. Uh, you do hear it for sure, but I would say it's, it's a bit more subtle. So when it came to your master's project to kind of um, boast the importance of this technology that's kind of existed for a while, but you're saying, trust me, like this is the future, um, but it's so subtle. Like, how did you kind of make that point? Like, was it very evident? that it made this huge difference because you felt like you were in the middle of the room? Well, yes, of course, it's also head tracking. That's not right. something that you can do with stereo. So okay, yeah. so it comes to, okay, here I'm placing you in this room in the middle of this orchestra, here is in stereo, and then here is a 360 mix that you can experience with a pair of headphones that have a head tracker or a VR set that would also have a head tracker. And then you move your head around and then it makes the experience a lot more realistic. So that's kind of it really, uh, that it just allows for a more realistic experience. No, I love the accessibility factor in all of this. Everyone kind of should be able to experience a lot of musical events and beyond that, like storytelling events, how immersive it can be just through a pair of headphones. I think that's really sweet. Yeah, you need the head tracker, right, as well. And for... but a lot of these earbuds are now being built with a head tracker, so we're already mm. moving in that direction as well. I I was just thinking with uh, with the pandemic, 
that must have been a cool opportunity, at least to open the door more towards uh, those experiences since, say, you couldn't go into a music hall and see a symphony orchestra. Now you could be at home. You could have, you know, you could, you know, just basically be in the middle of that location and that environment by what you're doing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, the pandemic started and I'm like, guys, this is the time. Like, go get a VR set. <laughs> I was finally we've arrived. I was so annoying at the time because I'm like, go get a VR set. <laughs> like, this is the time for all of us to just like immerse in this. And it didn't it didn't really go there. I really thought that everyone would get a VR set and we'll all be in this virtual world finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no. <laughs> Not, not yet. And I don't know if we will get there when it comes to VR. I feel that, you know, it's a big change. Not everyone is ready for that. I get that. What projects are like available out there that you could recommend that we could experience now that would kind of sell um, what immersive audio is all about? Like what really excites you that's available out there? What really excites me? Uh, well, there is a t- if you have a VR set, there's a ton of 360 videos that you can watch, documentaries that have been like very well done. I always speak about Felix and Paul because I am Felix and Paul is a studio I have from Montreal and I just love everything they do. Um, so so there are some really amazing documentaries that can be experienced in 360. And imagine it's like a real life story that you can be a lot more immersed in. Um, so I recommend checking those out. And when it comes to music, you know, Apple Music is talking about this and everybody somehow has to get it. And I have to be honest, like the next few months of music in this format, I don't think it's going to be great. Like, I know that people are going to listen to it and they might be like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Like, I don't hear it. I don't like, how is this better? Right. And some of it might be better and some might not be. And the reason why, in my opinion, is because creating an immersive environment starts from the recording process. And so a lot of this music is being, you know, is going from stereo to to 360, but it's still going to be the same recordings. Now, you're adapting from something that was meant to be stereo. And so for that reason, it might not be as effective as if you actually had planned this full album to be an immersive experience, right? Um, So I do want people to keep in mind that, yes, now the content is being created and adapted, and now you're going to be able to experience it through Apple Music and Tidal, has had it actually for a while. But I just want people to to be aware that it's not going to be great 100% right now, you know, because we're not there yet in the production process. I think once musicians and producers and engineers are all on the same page that this is our goal we are creating for immersive audio that's when and we're starting from the recording process even from the production process that's when we're gonna actually create amazing 360 music but right now i i do believe that even though it's really cool that that the format is now available a lot of this music that was meant to be stereo is not going to sound great in 360. So it's important to be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me kind of of like Roma for the Atmos uh, format mm-hmm. because Roma was like kind of 
made from the ground up with that in mind rather than just taking a movie and making it at most kind of like arbitrarily it's mm -hmm. like the consideration has to be right from the beginning how do we innovate with this technology rather than just like convert something from you know stereo exactly. to exactly yeah. and as i mentioned you know it starts with the recording process a lot of engineers are gonna have to embrace this you know because i know that a lot of people have had their studios forever and they have their ways to record and that's what i was saying you gotta break the rules now you're gonna have mm -hmm. to start breaking the rules <laughs> uh and but we've always experimented you know like and we've seen a lot of iconic albums out there have had really crazy stuff that engineers did uh, that experimented with to get that specific sound. So it's no different now, right? But like I said, we just have to have that goal in mind and adapt to it again, change as the keyword. So when people ask me about immersive audio and the whole thing right now, I'm not, I just want to make clear, I'm not saying, hey, this is just so much better than stereo, like, and then they're going to listen to it, they're going to be like, well, what? Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying we're not a hundred percent there yet, but we're moving in the right direction. Can we talk about, um, you as an educator during the pandemic? Being an educator during the pandemic has been definitely challenging. And being an educator in general is not an easy task, but especially dealing with so much. And we're talking about from technology to people's lives, right? You, can, you can't ignore that your students are struggling with a lot of stuff. And then they're, they're trying to pursue an education, but they're, they're, they all have different situations at home. So that's the number one. And then number two, we're trying to adapt to this online format uh, where we have to troubleshoot, where we have to not only teach them the content, but also teach them how all these tools work so they can learn back in the fall in 2020 where we're all back into you know okay it's a new school year and now we're completely online trying to make it work it was definitely very challenging to lead a group of people from zoom <laughs> and to also help them troubleshoot and keep everybody focused and also get your point across after you know all the struggles of zoom and the microphone not working and the camera and that you know there's just so much that it's now now it's i think we've got to a point where we got it we were swimming uh but I think, yeah, just adapting to it, a 100% online format was very challenging. Now, there are a lot of tools out there when it comes to, and I'm speaking about audio engineering um, specifically, uh, there are quite a few tools that I use to make the process a bit more smooth. Um, I used audio movers to share audio from my DAW, from Pro Tools, uh, which allows to, you know, share in real time with very little delay and stereo, high quality audio, that type of thing. I used uh, this other software called Soundcheck 2D and Soundcheck simulates a console and it allows you to show a signal flow path and how it would work, how you would patch an audio signal and have it go through processors and back into the console. So there are some really great tools out there. Still, of course, not the same as being in the recording studio, but I mean, we did what we could with what we had and, and that's just, that's all you can do. So teaching online didn't only 
teach me a lot of tech skills, but also interpersonal skills. It's taught me a lot more patience and understanding and it made me a better person, to be honest with you. It's weird how the pandemic was like horrible, but also kind of it helped us a lot. Like there, there's a lot of good things that kind of came out, which kind of speaks to the, to the resilience and the ability to adapt of everyone because school is certainly interesting <laughs> online and related to audio but i will share with you one of the things that i absolutely yes, loved about this <laughs> pandemic and is that i don't have to go grocery oh, shopping i've always hated grocery shopping i can just have it delivered to my place and that has been the biggest yes. blessing because i Big don't win. have to go to the grocery store <laughs> and you can place an order and it's like uh do you want uh something from this grocery like a publix and aldi and a sprouts yes i do please send me everything that i need from all three of these places and i don't have to make the trip and i can just sit home and watch my favorite tv show and, and you- hang out with my cats it saved me so much time that yeah if you asked me what's the best thing that came out of this pandemic i will say i don't have to go grocery shopping i'm with you i love it so what other um because you're talking about tools that you used to transition to virtual uh, teaching during the pandemic what are some other resources uh that your students could use to get more involved in this field that aren't necessarily found in the classroom but could help further their education Mm. Well, there was, of course, an increase in podcasts and YouTube channels and conferences, the conferences, 100%, I will have to say, you know, I could attend a conference in Europe and in the US and in Japan all in one week. And that to me was just brilliant. Uh, You know, normally I would have had to choose one, but now I could, you know, attend a ton of conferences. They're all virtual cheaper so yeah i last year i think i learned more than i did in like <laughs> three years of education just because i the, the information was so accessible virtually lots of resources and a lot of information that yeah. was put out there for free uh you know so many people wanted to help and they wanted to share information and they gave free talks free master classes that's really all I did last year. (laughs) Just learned from a ton of people. How did your, um, you did, you spoke at the AES conference, right? How did that go? I did. Oh, that went amazing. I I not only spoke at the conference, I actually coordinated the immersive audio portion of it. And so I was able to put together quite a few panels with brilliant, brilliant people that spoke about immersive audio, new technology, plugins, uh, but yeah, my masterclass was on uh, immersive audio techniques for beginners, and I it was a workshop on how to get started with Reaper and the 360 spatial work, the Facebook 360 spatial workstation uh, plugin suite. Uh, so that went really great, uh, and lots of people attended this conference. You know, I think we're last year the attendance was probably lower because. No one wanted to attend a conference online, but now we're just so used to this format that it went really, really well. Marcella, what inspires you, like sound in general or or even just art? For me, it's new tools, you know, 
every time I see that something new came out, I want to use it. I want to see how it works. I want to see what I can do with it. And I think that's, yeah, new technology, probably. It's my source of inspiration. <laughs> Doesn't sound too creative, I know, but... Uh, but really, yeah, when I see new tools being developed and when they're out there, I might even, I'm that person that contacts companies and developers before they release it, you know, just so I can try it out before. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> so like literally uh, contacting everyone for demos. Uh, but it's cool because I'm at a point in my career where uh, they also contact me to get my feedback. So I, I love that. Oh, that's you've made it. That's awesome. <laughs> so like, what's one of your most recent experiences, I guess, where someone threw you something and you got to try it out and you were like, whoa, there's a new special audio plugin that was actually showcased at the AES convention. And it's called Broadio. And uh, it's just an, another special audio plugin that is actually free. It, it is a university research based plugin that's out there for free. And it's super so cool. cool and dirty. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of answer that you would expect from me, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An academic plugin. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Can we talk about um, Shino's Tech, mm -hmm. your involvement with Shino's Tech? Of course, and, yeah. Uh, um, so I have been a mentor at Shino's Tech for about, I'm going to say, two and a half years or so. It started at Berkeley College of Music in Valencia by a very close friend of mine. Her name is Jasmine. Our goal is to work hard to empower women, mentor them, and encourage them to take on roles in the music uh, industry or tech roles and to yeah try and close that gap in the music industry when it comes to gender so what advice do you have for up-and-coming technicians field recorders immersive audio engineers what what advice do you have for them as they decide to pursue that career path this industry is very much about networking and the connections that you build, sadly, <laughs> the people that you know. And I, my advice would be to not burn bridges. I think it's crucial to always, you know, keep good relationships with everyone you meet. Even if you think that you'll never see them again, you probably will. Because this industry is so small, I am telling you, that... I feel, you know, most of the time I'm actually working with people in Europe and I'm all the way in Canada, but I'm having meetings with everyone in Europe. So, it, but it just doesn't feel that they're, those, they're that far, you know, it just feels like we're all in this community. It's, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of us working in the music industry, but it feels so small at the same time. And I, I know that, you know, I always run into someone that I met maybe five years ago that, you know, at this conference that I maybe just said hi to, but like they remember me or, you know, and, and people talk about you and your projects. And especially if you're really like out there, also references, references, you know, people might not even say that they're going to ask for a reference, but you know, they heard about you and they'll ask someone that knows you about you. And so like, it's just such a small community at the end of the day that I think keeping good relationships with people and just being responsible, reliable, 
kind, you know, just everything that comes with being a good person and a professional, but like really, really keeping in mind that, you know, it is a small world, it's a small community, and it's important to keep good relationships with people. And, and if networking is not your skill, we'll work on that <laughs> because, uh, because it's crucial. Yeah, no, well said, well said. Marcella, what's next for you? What's your future looking like? What do you, what are your goals? Whew. Do you want to see my calendar? Because it's yeah. already all planned out for <laughs> Oh yes, of course it is. <laughs> you know, it's so hard for me now because of course you have plans, but you don't know if you don't know what's gonna happen next month. It's so crazy. I know. Totally. Um well, uh what's next for me? I mean, I have a couple projects lined up uh in europe so i'm really hoping that i'll be able to travel at some point this year uh there is one cooking but i can't really talk about it because it's not released yet uh but uh yeah i'm hoping that i'll be able to be there maybe sometime this summer and uh what else i don't know i mean i'm gonna continue my research uh definitely i think i'll i'll keep teaching for some time also this has been you know, teaching during the pandemic has actually been really great. I'm super thankful that I get to do this now. So otherwise, I would have been all over the place doing other projects. So this was a good time for me to focus on teaching. Um, so so that might be something that I'll continue doing for the next little while. But other than that, you know, you'll hear from me probably through the AES. The AES, uh, the next conference is happening in the fall, in October, and is plan to be hybrid so it's going to be partly in person and online and it's going to be in las vegas so, so cool. that's gonna be hopefully really cool yeah and hopefully i'm looking for collaborating with artists more and especially those who want to create immersive music but really get started with it from the recording process because that's what i really want to focus on i want to i want to hopefully build a project from zero that you know we know is aimed to be immersive so i'm hoping to to actually start more collaborations towards the the end of this year so cool i can't wait to see like what comes out when it's built from the ground up with immersive audio in mind like how the tools can be used to their fullest ability it'd be so cool yes i'm excited yeah oh marcella thank you so much for chatting with us today it's been it's it's been so fun getting to know you and getting to know what you do and the impact that you're having on the immersive audio world and all of um all of the people who are looking to be a part of that world too so thank you so much it's been such a pleasure yes thank you this has been great thank you so much for having me Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. Check out soundgirls.org for more information. Applications are now open for the Sound Girls Scholarships of 2021, and we have three different scholarships available. The Sound Girls Ethel Gabriel Scholarship, the Sound Girls Scholarships, and Leslie Ann Jones Scholarship. The deadline for all scholarship applications is July 30th at 12 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. The Sound Girls Board will review essays and will notify the winners via email in August. For more information, visit soundgirls.org slash soundgirls dash scholarships dash 2021.